0: It's one small step for man. One giant
1: leap for Columbia, Columbia.
2: And we're back the second episode of TKW Draft Season, a miniseries produced by the Knicks Podcast, which is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Make sure you watch or listen to the last episode of the Knicks Podcast. We recapped pretty much the Knicks season because I doubt Knicks basketball will return. And make sure you tune in next Wednesday. Next Wednesday is Anthony Corbo's last day as Knicks Podcast host, unfortunately. Ant, we're going to miss you. We love you and i'm not looking forward to wednesday but i am at the same time so just make sure you check that out make sure you're subscribed to tkw podcast the knicks wall at the knicks wall and of course my co hosts make sure you follow them starting with joseph nardone college basketball writer extraordinaire featured on forbes college basketball today and many
0: others you could
2: follow him at joseph nardone on twitter joe how you doing
0: i'm doing well i'm in my pajamas which is a plus
2: hey that quarantine life is killing man and joining me as always my co-host my flex queen jess (laughs) reinhardt how are you
1: good man i i don't know what regular clothes are versus pajamas anymore but you know (laughs) we're just chilling in sweatpants 24 7 yeah going
2: going to work in nike sweats was my life goal like you know when you say dress for the job you want (laughs) i'm finally living the dream But yeah, make sure you follow Jess at jryne44. I got that right, right? Nailed it. Perfect. Yeah, so make sure you follow her. So, guys, college season is officially over. The NBA season remains in limbo, but college has declared it is over. We have an All-America First team. We will have no tournament basketball. As someone who is supposed to be in Vegas right now, I am crying on the inside, but luckily I have you guys here to pick up my spirits. So let's just throw it around. Joe, what are your takeaways from this college season? Best player, best team, whatever you got.
0: Uh, Well, listen, obviously the season was cut short and it was in a weird way. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was viewing this season as a bad, like in terms as pro prospects, pretty bad all year round and was not emotionally invested in like any team or player more so than I have been in years past. So it's weird when you ask that question given the context of everything happening around us. What's what I'm going to remember most about this is the big East tipping off. Uh while every other league is shuttering their conference tournaments because of the coronavirus and COVID-19. Um as far as player of the year and stuff like that goes, uh I didn't I know people made cases for like Obi and a couple other guys and stuff like that. I never this was like the one season where I didn't feel like somebody jumped out at me to the place where I'm like, yeah, that guy's the for sure best player in the country. Um, so, like, I know this isn't the great answer for, for, like, a podcast, but, like, I defer. Like, I don't think there was, like, an actual national player of the year.
2: Well, that's the problem with this draft <laughs> class overall because there's just no one to say, like, wow, this guy is clearly a cut above. I feel like the, that guy is probably an international guy. But in terms of the college season, I I think if we did have to pick someone, I would probably go with Obi. He's the only one. Dayton was probably the best team to me all year, and I'm pissed Mm -hmm. off we couldn't see how that translated to the tournament because I always feel like the tournament's the great litmus test for a lot of prospects. But uh, Jess, would anybody that sticks out to you?
1: I mean, I wouldn't be me if I didn't defend Luca Garza a little bit. (laughs) Uh. I mean, he just, he dominated, and it's funny, I actually, so you say you're crying on the inside, Mike, I have cried on the outside about lack of NCAA tournament basketball this season, and, like, no lie, yesterday I watched, because <laughs> it was the whatever year anniversary of Gin- Gonzaga versus Davidson when Steph went off, I watched the full game on YouTube yesterday and this morning I was reminded it was the one year it's been one year since Iowa beat Cincinnati in the first round of the tournament and so I watched like a condensed version of that on YouTube and like to see the jump that he that Luca made from last year to this year and even last year like he was pretty dominant in that game too when they needed him to be went and got buckets when they needed him to stepped out a couple of times to hit a couple threes but like just his body and like his ability to finish you can just see how big of a jump he made from last year to this year um and I just think at times he was pretty much unstoppable and in the Big Ten like that's not a short order to fill you know it's uh it, it was pretty impressive most of the year so i think he while i love obi everyone knows i love obi i i think i'd have to give it to luca on this one
2: the popular second pick in that order is like I, like we said joe said it better where no one really popped out of the screen and like you said luca was dominant and in terms of a pro like his pro appeal you look at that second first-round pick, if Sadiq Bay isn't there for the Knicks, I'm taking a hard look at Luka. There's still a need for backup center.
1: Yeah, it's... And I think... And, and this is where also the, the season ending so abruptly, it's like, we don't really know yet who's fully going to be in the draft. Um, like, Elijah Hughes from Syracuse just came out yesterday and said he's going to... Um, I mean, Lucas still has one more year left, so he hasn't even said, like, he is, you know, putting his name in the draft. And it's like, if someone's saying they're putting their name in the draft now, does that mean they're staying in? Because it looks more and more likely that there's not going to be, like, a combine or something where... guys were putting their name in then doing the combine, then deciding am i staying or am i going back to school nick actually Um, nick carante
2: who was on last week and will be joining us for future episodes he actually posted a tweet in our slack that woes dropped he said players can make decisions on entering the draft but they can also get i believe they can get assessed to see where they would go and then they can make a decision on that
1: right right but it's just so different than it has been right the last two years. I just so it's gonna be interesting to see like when and like how soon guys are gonna start announcing that they are putting their name in yeah the um, uh,
0: the, um the no combine thing's a pretty big deal because like a guy like Garza would normally declare just to go to the combine to get the feedback, and yeah, find out like if he would have the chance of going in the first round. But the fact that he can't go to the combine and be there in front of scouts, like I think people don't realize um just how little n b a coaches watch of college basketball during the season so like for a lot sure. of coaches, it's their first time seeing them, and seeing somebody live if you talk to anybody that like actually scouts these kids, seeing somebody live is way different than seeing them on t v because there's like, you could be listed as 6'10, 6'11, and you could also actually be 6'10, 6'11, but do you play that size? What does your frame look like against other people? Stuff that, like, all the measurables you would think would depict how they are, but they don't really accurately depict how they play or whatever. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but some guys are 6'10, but they don't look 6'10. They don't play 6'10. They don't feel 6'10 against other 6'10 guys. Um, He's they already talking about, like, Rossin was saying, like, they might have to do the draft through Skype. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys that declare, I'm sure, as always, because they always have that option to opt back out. Um, but it's just their feedback's going to be way worse than they ever got before, which is going to lead to some, unfortunately, probably some bad decisions, and then some guys staying just out of fear.
1: Yeah. Cause I, and I just think, I mean, for – For me, I just always go back to like Kevin Herter. He had every intention of going back to school, but he just had a killer combine, and it was like he would be dumb to go back because he had a guarantee uh, from a team at a certain point in the first round. And so he knew at the very least he was going then. So it's like you have to stay in at that point. But I just don't see how much someone like how different. Of opinion, someone could get on their own game like from now until the draft when they're not going to be able to see play, like it's just the most bizarre. Add that scenario. with the tournament,
0: yeah, go ahead. No, can I ask a question here? Do you guys, oh no, I'm going to say, do you guys like Luca so much because you didn't uh,
2: get that, that? That's always going to sting. <laughs> that's the always going to be good. Garza, I mean, Garza's more of just a, uh, if he's there, I'll take him type of player. I don't, on it, but yeah,
1: I mean. I I think I said this last pod, like, he's just the quintessential college player. I still don't really know how he's going to translate into the NBA. He, yeah, it's just, it's going to be interesting. I I mean, I just fall for him to be player of the year, but do I think he's going to be a great NBA player? I, don't, I really don't know
2: not great but i could definitely see him being a rotational guy which is what i would expect if he were to come to new york or really any team i don't think you're going to be getting mark gasol i think you'd just be getting like willie Hernan gomez slightly better Mm
1: -hmm. which not bad not not terrible
2: yeah uh quick breaking news just while we're here uh not that anyone really gives a shit Harvard grad transfer Seth Towns chooses Ohio State over Duke. Suck it, oh, was K. like
1: Wasn't that like last night? Come on, Mike. Get with it. What?
0: 11 p.m. Eastern on Sports Center. Yeah, it Why was is- last what? night.
1: Come on, Mike.
0: Uh, no, no. I'm blaming Ev. Fuck that.
1: I'm <laughs> <up the> break.
2: <laughs> he just posted that. I thought it was breaking news. I'm sorry.
1: News. I didn't know I had to be your you know, deliverer of, uh. of breaking news. my fault. <laughs> my fault. <laughs>
2: Yeah, all right. So yeah, I'm deferring that to Ev. I was getting blamed for that.
1: Oh man. Got that... good. He just got fake woged. He got fake woged right there. Nah.
0: That's how bad <laughs> at least it happened. If it did happen. That uh a, yeah. uh, a Harvard graduate's transfer is being televised. I internet. literally
1: I literally sent uh, yesterday morning when the tweet went out that he'd be announcing last night. I said, yeah. normally I wouldn't care, but I'm clinging to any and everything I can. So let's go Ohio State. Hey,
2: anything anti-Duke I'm very in on. Uh, that one that one year, last year was just.
1: And they're losing. So uh, did you, you see Alex O'Connell's transferring? To where? He's just in the portal, hasn't decided,
0: but... Go to Kentucky, go to Kentucky, go to Kentucky. Uh, Let's talk about Trey Jones declaring and how awful of an NBA prospect he is. (laughs) Taco Fall last Uh, year stood 37 feet away from him. That's how much they didn't think he could score or shoot. And now he's an NBA draft prospect. One, this this class is so bad, he'll probably go on the first round. Two, Trey Jones isn't even close to an NBA player. He's like (laughs) Rajon Rondo without the height the defense, the athleticism, or any of the skill, and he's going to go in the first round.
2: I don't know how he averaged 16 a game this year. That's Because somebody had a game. score. Could, yeah. Yeah, but how? Like last year when I was watching him, like I said, I sound like a broken record. The only shot he seemed to have any confidence is was a pull-up right below the
0: free throw line. Just not the shot a pro player. Well, maybe
1: he took eight of those.
0: <laughs> um, listen he took he took nine nine and a half shots from two a game i did not recently to be fair to him by the way his three-point shooting didn't improve to like 30 or per 36 percent this year so um mm-hmm. i guess there's the idea that he's a more competent shooter but he shot under four of those a game but i bet you if we looked well, into it most of his uh, field goals attempts were inside uh the free throw line yeah and i haven't done the research like on this i just wanted to bash him
2: his yes. appeal and that's fine completely fair clean shot his appeal is defense. That to me, like if the Knicks were ever considering him, which I wouldn't because shooting's already a major need. His defense, defense is so overrated.
0: Last, no, last year, it is. Well, he he, 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 He's a he did well on Shamari Pons, and everybody's like, oh, what a good defender because he stopped Shamari Pons. Like,
2: the Duke rub is always going to exist. That's just, but it's like Shamari
0: Pons is in the, is barely an NBA player. He's in, a, he he was yeah. in and out of the league. It's like, Great, he could stop like, you know, 10 guys in the ACC that'll never see a second of any professional level ever.
2: The My th- take on that is Tyus, his brother Tyus, I thought was way better than him at Duke. And he's a good, he's a decent NBA player. He's not anything special. So it's kind of like the Marcus Teague, Jeff Teague thing going on where if the older brother is better than you and not doing well, I'm not going to get the younger brother who's not doing well.
0: <laughs> I agree with you. That's how. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, I I really don't want to like go out of my way to like just just bash Trey Jones, but like if his redeeming quality is smart basketball player and plays defense, um, look to see how Mateen Cleese or Peyton Silva Siva, Silva did when they tried to be NBA players. It's the same. Peyton Silva,
2: man, Fuck F- that
0: guy. <laughs> People thought he was going to be a good NBA player, and it's like why? Like why he Foolish. can't shoot? And he won a lot of games. Small.
2: Yeah. Because he won for that cheater, Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino. is
0: now at I- Iona. Yeah.
2: I wrote about that. How weird is
0: that? Everybody go read it. Search my name and Rick Pitino. Yes. Check that out. Yeah.
1: Oh, is it I can't wait for Sienna to beat them.
0: Uh... Are you anti-Pitino, Joe? This I am. Yes, I am very much anti-Pitino. I'm, I'm also anti the people that are giving him his 25th chance. Like, it's not only... like. Patino being back in college basketball, I know this is an NBA draft prospect uh, podcast, but we're going to go on a small rant here. The people like Dick Vitale and these other people like, oh, it's so great. Rick Pitino is back in the game just at the right time. The fact that this dude's been given 85 million second chances and he's still being portrayed by some, by not all, by some as like some kind of like leader of men and good guy and all this other stuff it is just an indictment on the entire sport of college basketball. Like, it really is. Like, Rick Pitino should not be in college basketball whatsoever. Not only did you have, like, the, it's it's a lifetime achievement in scandal, right? Like, if you were to – if you were just to take one scandal at a thing, you'd be like, oh, okay, he cheated on his wife. That's none of her business. Fine. If you were to do the hooker scandal or the, the stripper scandal to one thing, you'd be like, all right, maybe he could recover. If you could do, like, the 900 different NCAA scandals, you'd be like, oh, okay. But, like, it's all of them on one dude who shown no remorse and keeps saying it was a few bad eggs that he had nothing to do with. And he's Iona's new coach. I hope Iona loses every game.
1: Yes, Joe. Uh, Yes. Fun
2: story. Uh, Back in college, I will not say the year, but Montrezl Harrell was on their team. Empty arena. I just stood there just to heckle Rick Pitino for two hours. I lost my voice screaming "fuck you, Rick Patino for upwards of two hours. I
1: really, I really can't wait for like the first Manhattan Iona game to see what those fans do to him. Or I'm, I'm also just interested to see what like this like it's a Times Union Center, which that's where Sienna plays. Like our Seven thousand seats gonna be full for when Rick Pitino comes, strictly because it's Rick Pitino. Like I'm just, I'm very interested to see like all the ripple effects this has in for the MAC in general. Um, but that being said, CN is oh, I can't wait. Oh my god, I need college basketball back so bad.
2: Yeah, I just. Uh, well, anyway, anyway, my just to put a cap on Pitino. <laughs> He was supposed to coach Puerto Rico, and he backed
0: out, so he is a coward, and I want nothing yes. to do with him. But uh, if there. he really if he really missed basketball that much, American basketball, like he said, he would have done what Joe, Jim Calhoun did. Do you know what I mean? Go to a Division three school and build it up. Yeah. But he's so greedy and so ego-filled and so, like, everything that's wrong with the way people got to fight college coaches that... You know, he had to get back at the D1 level. I know it's Iona, so people are like, well, he went back to a lower lower school and all this stuff. If he's back because he wants to be back and he knows in his brain that if he does well there for three or four years, he could get another power conference job and somebody, disgusting enough, will give it to him. Yeah, probably. College basketball stinks. The whole ideology stinks. The all <laughs> should be ashamed of themselves. Harvard, YouTube pals, you have an endowment of 40 billion dollars and you're laying off people. Jerks.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love People it. have to I stop pretending it. People have to stop pretending colleges are like these uh like these places of just higher learning and altruistic value and a place where people learn. They're they're fucking businesses. And all these ones, they're all cutthroat and they're all evil and they're not all, not all. I'm sorry. But many of them are evil and disgusting.
2: I would I would side oh. with the all, but like I said there's a couple good guys.
1: I love when Joe really, really gets passionate about no, something. It's, it's, it's good my to favorite know, thing. I, I have
2: a feeling. I will get into the prospects in a second. I have a feeling.
0: A $40 billion endowment at Harvard. <laughs> the biggest in country. And they laid off people, including, including cafeteria workers. And they're not going to pay for them. They're just going to let the unemployment... Well, well that, that kind of goes
2: back to... I mean, as great as the NBA players have been, and kudos to them for donating money, where the fuck are the owners? Only Mark Cubans donated. All these guys are like, oh, I can't pay these workers. Are you fucking joking? Like, are you really fucking joking? Like, these people matter. These the and people it shouldn't are...
0: be on the players. Yeah, it shouldn't. The
2: millionaires are paying. We it shouldn't, shouldn't be on the
0: employees pay. to play other employees. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be like, say we were the three of us were paid, right, to do this podcast by the, the Knicks wall, and then one of the, the three of us got laid off it wouldn't be on the other two to pay us and not the next wall do you exactly. know what i'm saying like yeah. it shouldn't be on the employees to pay other employees it should be on the employer to take care of them take yeah. care of your employees like it's it boggles my mind like this is something that's rooted years old now where it's dominos is paving roads for us right dominos paved roads or we do this thing where it's go fund me to help me with my insurance where we're the system's so broken that we're reliant upon strangers and the goodwill of humans that just want to help over the actual system. Do you know what I mean? Like it's nice that people do this, right? Like it's nice that Shea Serrano goes on his Twitter and he's like, I'll help people that are in need. He shouldn't need, have to need to fucking do it.
2: Yeah, I agree. And shout out to Shea Serrano, man. He's always helping out people in need and we need more people like that. And yeah, it's, I think this time is really just weeding out people that we already knew were scummy. But you're starting to really see who's about it and who's not. And it's sad that it's come to this, That
0: <laughs> I'm sorry for ruining a basketball That's No, it's
2: okay. Podcast. Well, perfect segue to jump back into it. Uh, so we're just going to run through the college guys. The only All-American that's in the lottery is Obi Toppin. Luca Garza was also on there as well as Marcus Howard from Marquette. If you people remember, that is the person – for people that don't watch college, rather – that is John ja Morant's first matchup in last year's tournament. It was a pretty good game. Uh, rounding out Miles Powell from that loser school in Jersey that's not Rutgers. Uh, and Pre- Peyton Pritchard from Oregon, who I don't know is going to be an NBA player. I don't think so. But he's a pretty fun college player. He had that great game-winner against Washington, unfortunately. I love my Huskies. But he's a. I feel like he was pretty exciting at Oregon. But, yeah, anyway, Obi's probably the only pro prospect that made the first team which is bananas so i mean before we get into the full prospect dive was there anyone you felt that's in the draft that should have been nominated or in heavy consideration for first team
1: no i think i mean i think for most of the year that's that first team has been the general consensus i think maybe before i don't remember the preseason all-american team but i'm guessing maybe like cassius winston was up there or something like that um but i think for definitely like the later half of the year that's pretty much been like the consensus first team um it'll be interesting like i mean marcus howard is a bucket
2: yeah i love him i love watching him play he reminds me of perry remember perry jackson from baylor i think it was perry jackson I forgot what it was. Uh, Perry White. I don't know. He was a short guy, number fifty-five on Baylor. Very, okay. very similar. Okay. To spark plug. I don't know if he's gonna be a pro because I know Perry wasn't. But I'm gonna look up his real name while you keep on going. But
1: no, I, I mean, I definitely think he could find a landing spot and you know go in there. Maybe just be like a spark plug on like a second team or something like that. But, um. Uh... I guess same with Miles Powell, like, I didn't watch a ton of Seton Hall, um, I was really looking forward to that matchup that I teased on our last pod that never happened, um, so, but yeah, in terms of the first team, I think that was pretty, pretty solid and Pretty and uh,
2: the Baylor guy was Pierre Jackson. I was combining him and Perry Jones. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. I I knew list. something was wrong, but I, I just I and I knew
2: his last name
0: was out. Jackson. <laughs> All right.
1: We'll take it,
0: Joe. We'll anybody it. that stuck up? Marcus Howard is just rich man Kiefer Sykes.
1: <laughs> rich man Kiefer Sykes,
2: oh boy. <laughs> so he's not going to be a pro prospect. Is what
0: you're saying? Kiefer Sykes, man. He's a uh, he's a big deal in China. Yeah. Good
2: for him. Hey,
1: man. So I, I go get that money. That China League Right
2: now, Miles Powell is projected projected to be Mr. Irrelevant,
0: 60th overall. Uh, I
2: don't Love see Marcus it. Howard on these
0: pre drafts. I think because he's five you nine. Know. They list him as five eleven, which means he's definitely two right. inches shorter.
1: I mean, he had him go into the Hawks uh, with the 52nd pick. That's what the Hawks need,
0: another guard that can't defend. Hey, you
1: lose on the mock draft now?
2: <laughs> Nick Richards, baby. Nick Richards. Oh, I feel like that's oh
0: the –
1: Have you watched so that documentary early. yet, Mike? No, I'm going
2: to, though. I keep on forgetting. Uh, but, yeah, that me. that's kind of been my shock of the season, Kentucky's best player. And that's another thing I hate about the tournament. Every <laughs> every year, one freshman in Kentucky goes off, stop laughing. <laughs> What <laughs> every year a Kentucky freshman separates himself in the tournament, and now I don't know. So I'm leaving this season believing that Nick Richards is the best Kentucky player. That's rough. Yeah, it that's, is.
1: That's rough, rough, rough year. look for you boys.
2: We should be national champions since we finished the year with a win. But
0: how could you go? We Rutgers basketball is finally good. Like just New Jersey basketball, they're both. Basketball high. They're
2: high. I yeah. take Real both team. You
0: can't claim. You can't claim. Oh yes, multiple. I can. You yes, can. I can.
2: This Rutgers has been so out of oh, it. Oh my god! They don't have a pro prospect.
0: You know what's really neat about. You know what's really neat about Nick Richards, though, and his pro yeah. prospect. He played, you know, two and a half, you could call him three-ish years of college basketball. He and I have the same amount of made. Yeah, he
2: players. was he was pretty bad. <laughs> he was unplayable his first year. Got kind of better his second year, and then this year he just took a leap. I was like, wow, this is impressive. It was kind of like, uh, who's last year's pick? P.J. Washington. Freshman year, he was the reason they got eliminated from the tournament because he couldn't hit a free throw. Comes back. Maybe Cal's a great developer and we just never noticed.
0: Let me tell you something about Nick Richards. You're not going to like to hear it. He's going to suffer, You're and you're suffering from it now. The Thomas Robinson effect.
2: Interesting. All
0: right, right I want to hear where... more. So Thomas Robinson, for those that don't remember, at Kansas, it took him forever to become good, right? And then he won national player year and senior year. He also has, like, a legitimately horrible origin story where you had to root for the kid, right? Like, it was a very tough background he came from, and you just wanted him to succeed, and I'm glad he secured that bag when he got drafted. Nick Richards, similar thing. It took him forever to really get going. And what happens is when you're, like, a junior, when you're, like, 2021. 20, you're a lot different than an 18, 19 year old physically. So it's really misleading. Also, I don't know how much the NBA is clamoring for guys that can't shoot. Um, this for Thomas Robinson, this happened to him in real time, right? Like, I did not like him as a prospect that now this is forever ago when Thomas Robinson got drafted. But like you could still go, well, he's an energy guy, he could rebound, he could he could play well. Not things that you want from your third overall pick, but like the NBA changed while he was there. Now, the NBA's changed where there's no value for big guys that can't help spread the floor. So, I don't like what's Nick Richards' uh, defining quality that makes him an intriguing draft prospect? To me, it's uh, he rebounds fairly well, but like he rebounds fairly well at the college level where he's bigger than everybody else.
2: I don't believe he's going to be. No, I really don't. I don't see him as a pro player personally. I will hap- happily be presently surprised but the only uk guy i see making a pro impact out of this team is probably Maxi, maybe quickly i don't think quickly is going to come out of the dra- come out this year but he's a good shot he has a chance at maybe ha- having a couple like bench spots he reminds me of deron lamb in that regard where he might find the g league more consistently than a pro team uh but yeah i think kentucky is just it was really surprisingly yeah they stink this year
1: I just want you to watch student athlete on HBO, and then try to convince me that Nick Richards likes. That's playing a big basketball. thing with athletes.
2: I think I told you when we originally talked about this. My friend played with David Price, baseball player. He hated it, and oh, yeah, he was yeah, still yeah, yeah. like the fact that he was good when he hated doing something. That's a credit to you, and I feel like that's a good segue to Anthony Edwards. Does he hate playing basketball? <laughs> <laughs> Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Poor Anthony Edwards.
2: That was incredible.
1: That was a segue. No, that, sure. was that was incredible. Quarantine
2: made me good.
1: <laughs> we didn't even plan it. Mike yeah. is thriving in quarantine. So well,
2: Anthony Edwards still projected the after Wiseman's projected number one, just because most people expect the Warriors to win the lottery, which will not happen. But for now, Anthony Edwards is <laughs> – The first college guy off the board still, remarkably. 19 points per game. 40% from the field, which is pretty gross. 29.4% from three. We've said it last episode. Nothing about him screams, I am the best player in this draft. Jess, what was his last game against Ole Miss? Yeah, just go in real quick. Let me...
1: Let me, let, me hit you, let me hit you with this. So, that coveted matchup we brought up last uh, pod in the SEC tournament. Uh, Georgia versus Ole Miss. Mr. Anthony Edwards, 40 minutes, went 2 for 13 from the field, including 1 of 9 from 3, and had 4 assists, 2 rebounds, only 1 turnover, ended with 6 points. Six points, and he played the entire game.
0: Fucking hero! No wonder why he died in Top Gun.
1: (laughs) Uh, and I like at least give me—I mean, four assists. Like, give me something else, please. I mean, miraculously, they still won eighty-one to sixty-three. But again, it was against Ole Miss. Uh, (laughs) but two for thirteen. That's that's who you want to draft second on coming off their last game. Like, I mean there's just, not much else to say. Man, it's just I don't know. That...
2: It's just <laughs> that
0: stinks. What was uh, that? Do you do you have a soundboard? Uh, that's
1: incredible.
0: <laughs> it's just it... I was um oh, I'm sorry, I was talking to uh guys I consider smarter than me when it comes to draft prospects. And Chris, I'll just say his name. I don't think he'll be offended. Chris Stone from the Sporting News, he and I were talking about it. And then he did a podcast with Sam mm-hmm. Fasini, the Game Theory Podcast. And Sam is a lot more optimistic about Anthony Edwards' prospects. And me and Chris were talking about how because this draft class is bad, right, and I think I really could admit that, you have to kind of cling to a certain kind of narrative. And this is something Mike, oddly, me and you did mm-hmm. this last year for RJ Barrett, right, where we're like, Well, college spacing's killing him, and when he gets to the NBA, it'll help him be better, and all this stuff. That's the narrative people are now using for Anthony Edwards. Oh, he has no help. The spacing's killing him. When he's trying to get to the rim, it hurts. Somebody has to shoot for Georgia, so he's going to shoot a thousand times, and all that stuff. But I always will revert back to, but R.J. Barrett was way better. Like, his numbers were better. He was more efficient. Like, the numbers just said against a bad old Miss team is atrocious. And then his season numbers, as Mike mentioned, under 30% from three, 40% from the floor. He's not great defensively. I mean, like, he's up there like a top three pick by default, and I feel like people are bending over backwards to make excuses for him. And what I said this on the last podcast. What, it, what annoys me about it, though, is it's the same people that were down on R.J. Barrett that are propping him up when all the defenses you could use for R.J. Barrett are now being used for Anthony Edwards, except Anthony Edwards is actually even worse using that same logic. Like, if they're both—if if, if R.J. Barrett also struggled because of spacing at Duke, as is Anthony Edwards, why is Anthony Edwards' efficiency numbers so much worse? And like that's the scary part, worse.
2: because mechanically, he looks like a pro-prospect, a star—like, if I was just seeing the Michigan State game, like if that's the only thing I saw of him, I was like, "Holy shit, this guy's a star." You just don't see it enough. And with RJ, at least RJ went balls to the wall.
0: His numbers were way better, as you said. Edwards is just, yeah, he shot fifty three percent from the floor and thirty one from the arc. That's such a, and he rebounded at a, a higher rate. He defended slightly better. And RJ never he's vanished. He's a great defender. And they they, they, they never, and never ever vanished. vanished. And I, RJ's thing was everybody used to get mad at him for forcing everything. Okay, so does Anthony Edwards. And I understand it's a different situation because Anthony Edwards doesn't play with a lot of great teammates like RJ Barrett did, but like it's oh, well, that's man, 7.73 is yeah. a game and you're shooting. And under the misconception 30%. with RJ, doing,
2: not to rehash, he played with Zion, yes, absolute stud. Cam Reddish disappeared a lot. Yeah.
0: Turned out Cam Reddish was trash. And then
2: after yeah, that, out was? Alex O'Connell by the next best person on that team. From a scoring perspective. They had the guy from the White Stripes <laughs> Jack White a bunch of ice minutes. cold, 27% from three last year. 27. As your three-point special. Me too. I, everyone I thought did. he was going to be good. And so that's why RJ's. <laughs> that was RJ's bailout. And look, I'll give Ant Edwards his due. Every interview I've seen of him, he seems like a knowledgeable guy, like a good kid. And Georgia isn't the best place. He chose it, though. He chose to go there, so he knew what he was doing. Unless he – I would want him to see to stay in Atlanta, go go with someone with, like, Trey Young who could set him up for easy buckets because I do not want to see him on a team with the Knicks where he's going to have to create for himself. Because I have a feeling we're going to see what we see at Georgia where he's just aimlessly doing stepbacks like J.R. Smith's. Like, every bad J.R. Smith game, I think, would be the norm for Edwards, especially in year one, which I want zero parts of.
0: Yeah, he I screams Deion Waiters to me. He screams Deion Waiters irrationally confident. Can't score. Like will put up scoring numbers when given the opportunity, but none of it's gonna help to win. None of it's gonna be efficient. Um, I know nothing of his character or anything like that, so I don't want to speak to any of that. I'm not comparing him to Deion Waiters in that way. But like I I, I still like I'm still I've still yet to hear like an actually solid, reasonable, consistent explanation why people view him as a good prospect. You could say, like somebody could put up those videos and be like, look at all these things, he does great. But then none of of those numbers back that up. And then if you use the other logic, which is saying, well, his numbers are bad because of, they're not consistently applying that to every other draft prospect. They're just bending over backwards for this guy because you have to cling to something. And I guess it's better than talking about James Wiseman, who's probably like an archaic big man.
2: The scary part, just clinging on to hope, is how you end up with a bad prospect. He fits, if you look on his Tankathon thing, it's he's a blank canvas prospect where you are just clinging to development, which is not linear. You can't say, "All right, next year he's going to take a leap forward in three point percentage." He may not, and then then what? You passed on somebody that was already further ahead or can supply a better need, like Lamelo Ball, like Killian Hayes, just because oh Anthony Edwards, he's he's got the size. And he has the mechanics, so naturally he's going to be good if we develop him right. No, that's not always the case. Anything else on Edwards before we move on to our next guy?
0: I,
1: got nothing. I don't
2: think so. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, Goose. We'll be rooting for you. But uh, all right, next guy, Cole Anthony. I want to get to Cole Anthony now because we talked about him last last week. Not the greatest year for him he finished with 18 and a half points, also a bad shooter, 38% from the field, 34.8% from 3. He has he's a good shooter. To me he's Dennis Smith with a jump shot. I don't know if that's fair to him, but Jess, what was his last uh, so game? What was last his last game impression?
1: First round of the ACC tournament versus Syracuse. Uh, UNC lost 81 to 53. So he had played 37 minutes, went two for 10 from the field, on one for six from three. Um, four rebounds, three assists, six turnovers, ended with five points. Not a great look.
2: I, I yeah, and I feel like he's the prospect of being force fed because I was reading, I'm not going to say the name of the writer or outlet that put this out, but they're saying Anthony's probably one of the most likely prospects because the Knicks have had their eye on him the longest, which someone please explain that to me, why that should be a reason you take someone. But he does seem, especially if they fall, he seems like a guy that would likely end up there. I'm not a fan of taking him over. Like I said, I've been very vocal about liking LaMelo and Killian over him even Halliburton who we'll get to in a second. But I mean, Joe, anything to cling on to for Anthony's development right now, he just looks like a guy who can only play one position. And if his shot's not falling.
0: Yeah. I don't want to get too redundant. (laughs) I know I talked about him last time I was on with you guys about how I feel like most of this is based off his like 10 years of hype building through the New York post and slam. Um, And we talked about, you know, obviously the next connection, all that stuff. Um, It's, it's the worst North Carolina team and forever long. He was a big reason why um, not just his fault again, um, but almost everything I said about Anthony Edwards applies to him, except he played with better players than Anthony Edwards and he's less like the Dennis Smith comp. He's less athletic as well. So yeah, like if, if you're picking a 10 and he's there for some reason, you might as well take like a flyer on him because I think this draft again is awful and I'm being very pessimistic about it. And I, Obviously, there'll be a couple guys that end up being good that nobody thinks will be good. and Maybe Cole Anthony will be one of those guys. But at a certain point, I just feel like you just got to look at the guys for what they are, and if we're being honest about it, if Cole Anthony came in to North Carolina with no hype and he was just some guy and his name was like Bob Williamson, nobody would care. He wouldn't even be a lottery pick.
2: And like you said, 10th, like anything below six, excuse me, anything below six.
0: So yeah. Sorry. I had I'll take them, I put them obviously, obviously because I, I had my mute button on, so I wasn't. Just... You. Um, yeah. Like anything below. So, honestly, no, anything, anything after, after like the top three picks, you could jumble up that rest of that thing. If, if you talk yourself into loving Cole Anthony and you're at five, I get it. Right. Because what's your other option? Do you know what I mean? He's like,
2: really? Uh, Hampton, RJ Hampton's probably the only guy or Max. But, like, Maxie can't shoot. Maxie Maxie, Maxie Maxie can't can't shoot. He
0: he burst onto the scene this year. We're all like, yeah, Yeah. Maxie, he's great. And then he shot under 30% from three. And Well, yeah,
2: let's get to him
0: next. Oh, no, and I'm just saying, like, all these guys are super flawed in areas that are very important to basketball, like shooting. And you said it really well earlier, and it's not something that's discussed enough when we talk about draft prospects development isn't linear just because a guy's a teenager doesn't mean you could expect growth year after year after year. And the, the, the trope I'm in NBA draft guys are so much better about this. Now they don't even do it anymore. Right. Like this is something Chad Ford used to do. Like the guys that do it now don't do this at all. But they they used to say like, all he needs to do is develop a jump shot. Like as if that's something nobody was already trying to develop. You know what I mean? Like these guys are trying to be good jump shooters. They just can't get there for whatever the reason, whether it be mechanics, just an inability, whatever. If it was just as easy, just as easy as trying to get better at it, I'd be shooting 52% for three for the Sixers right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not this thing where you could go, oh, Maxi or Cole Anthony or Edwards or whoever. All they have to do is develop this one specific skill set. All these things, like all their negatives and their flaws, like all for the most part, they're gonna stay their negative and flaws. They might be able to get like the bad to like almost competent, but it's never gonna be like I'm a net negative shooter and then five years from now I'm gonna be a net positive shooter. That rarely happens.
2: Right. And with Maxi, like I'm already doing it because my UK bias is going all the time. So Maxi kind of had a similar year for to Anthony in terms of shooting, except he was even worse. From three, which made no sense to me, because if you watch him play, he has a good release, a lot of energy, really good on defense. But his, I looked at his, I'm looking at his numbers right now. I'm like, holy shit, it was really this bad. 14 points a game, 29.2% from three, 42% from the field. He did shoot 83% from the line, and I guess that, like, if someone is clinging to development, especially with shooting that's the key stat you're always going to go to. We were kind of been conditioned to do that now, where if a guy is not shooting well, it's like, ah, well, spacing, and he shoots well from free throw. That's not always going to happen. So someone like Maxi, who I was high on for most of the year, just because UK guy, and that's somebody I wanted to see how they performed in the tournament to kind of justify whether he was worth a pick or not. I see him now as a mid-round pick. And if he was on the team, I would look him as a bench guy at best. Jess, what was, uh, what was the last impression for Max? Uh, it was the
1: last game of the season, UK versus Florida. He played 39 minutes, was 1 of 11 from the floor, and on 1 of 3 from 3, 4 for 4 from the line, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, a steal, a turnover, 7 points.
0: You guys are leaving a great laughing impression. I mean.
1: Yeah, seriously.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right.
2: It's just, yeah, it's very, I guess you do have to kind of cling on to development, which, like I said, is very dangerous. But uh, somebody who left us a little earlier than the suspension was Iowa State's Tyrese Halliburton. There was a moment in time where he was the first point guard off the board. That's not the case anymore. Right now, he's projected to go sixth overall to the Knicks if they stay there. Tall guard, can shoot, can pass. Any, what was what was his last game, yeah, Jess? Do you have his? Or I, I got I can it. Pull it off so, well, it all was right, the well.
1: game he got hurt. Um, It was versus Kansas State. He played 25 minutes, went three of six from the field, and that was all three-pointers. Uh, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 turnovers with 9 points. Um and then the the other the few games right before that um they were all losses for Iowa State, um but he had 12, 14, 17 and 12 points. Um looks like a couple games it was like 5 for 8 from sh- shooting, 4 for 11 from the floor. Um Another guy who's really good at the free throw line. Uh, looks like he shot 82% on the year. Um, 50%, is that right? 50% from the field on the year? 50, uh, that's right. Yeah. It uh, From three, 40, almost 42% from three. I mean, I went back and uh, read... Was it Vicini's piece? Uh, it was like right after he got hurt. Uh, yeah, Vicini wrote a piece for The Athletic about, you know, is he worth a top 10 pick, especially after this injury? And he really went into just those how efficient those shooting numbers are and how um, front offices that are heavy into the analytics are obviously going to fall in love with those type of numbers.
2: The appeal with Halliburton specific to the Knicks is he fills that desperate need that needed outside shooting and lead guard, so mm-hmm. that's very appealing, and it also allows Frank and RJ to still handle lead guard duties. From so Halliburton's really good at spotting up the way his release is set up, he doesn't look like he's going to be a good guy that can just you know pull up off the dribble like a Cole Anthony or. Killian Hayes or even LaMelo. He doesn't look like he's going to have that step back in his game as much. He's going to be more of a spot-up type of guy. So he's not the sexy pick, but there's no denying he does have appeal, especially, like you just said, the analytics guys love him. And so far, Knicks have kind of been against analytics, to so to speak. They've gone with, you know, blank canvas prospect like Kevin Knox. Frank Nielakino was another blank canvas guy. And then you have R.J. Barrett, who... Analytics guys probably hate. So he would be definitely a change of pace pick. Joe, anything? Did you watch any Halliburn or have any feeling on him as a pro prospect?
0: I um I like him a lot relative to this class. Um something to note about him, his first year with Iowa State, he did not shoot from the floor at all. Um all his attempts were from beyond the arc. I think he shot less than two times uh, per game from the field. Um so like that's a little concerning. But he did improve upon that this year. He almost shot six times from the floor per game, and then he's still shooting a lot from outside, uh, over five and a half per game. All those things that you guys talked about, the efficiency numbers are important. He has decent size, where I think when you talk about Halliburton, right, is the value of what he brings isn't going to sound like, say like the Knicks pick six and they take Halliburton at six. Traditionally, you'd be like, why are we drafting a guy that projects to be just a floor floor spacer? Because that's all he really projects to be. Um, It's where I feel like he's one of the few guys where you could say, I feel very positive that this one skill that is needed in the NBA is translatable, right? I I feel myself very confident in knowing Halliburton will be a good three-point shooter in the NBA, if nothing else. Where every other prospect around him I'm not hundred percent sure what any of them's going to do well in the nBA so I feel like he's a safe pick and I think a safe pick in this draft especially when the reason for that safety pick is an elite level floor spacer is somebody you should like you know jump at if you can
2: now we're on the head with that part safety the floor a high floor is very appealing in this draft the one thing that does worry me is he doesn't get to the line at all he had the average Two free throw attempts per game this season. As a freshman, it was zero. He doesn't 7. attack the
0: rim. He doesn't go to the yeah. rim. His 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 first year, he 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 attempted like one one shot in the field. You know. So game. is it kind
2: of like a is it kind of like Alonzo at UCLA? Obviously not as good. Alonzo was one of the best point guards we saw in recent memory for college. Is it kind no, of no no?
0: Because Alonzo attacked team. the rim. Alonzo created a lot. Of Halliburton's like yeah. He's a dude in the NBA where I imagine he's a spot, like, I'm, he could go off the dribble a little bit, but, like, he's, like, a spot-up three-point shooter at the NBA. Gotcha. It's just that I, I feel very confident that he's going to, like, shoot 38 to 40% in the NBA where I have no idea what Maxi or Cole Anthony or even, I don't want to jump ahead, but, like, guys like Nico Manuel are going to be able to do well at the next level.
2: Yeah. And I think that's a good segue. Let's go to Nico. I know we're jumping around a little bit compared to where their order he stinks is. But... He's a
0: ginger. Over.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been bad too, and he was, he went from a top ten pick. I remember when I did like the preseason board, I had him in like my third tier of prospects to want. Now I can see him falling to the next second first round pick. I mean, the season is just fourteen points again. A lot of guys are averaging fourteen points this year. I'm looking at. Bad shooter, 39.2% from the field. He shot 32% from three. 5.3 assists, 1.2 steals. Just about 80% from the line. Not memorable though. Like I remember throwing on late games on Saturdays and he had one good game. I can't remember who the opponent was. He had a game winner. And then after that, I forgot he was playing some nights.
0: Did you guys know Chase Jeter was in Arizona this year? Sidebar.
2: I completely forgot Chase Cheater was playing college basketball play. this year. Yeah.
0: I he wasn't the best like, player in Arizona safe. this year. Nico Mannion wasn't the best basketball player on uh, Arizona. I like Josh Green better as a prospect. Uh, Zeke, I can't pronounce his last name, was actually a better player at the college level. I don't have a ton of thoughts on him. Like, he's in, like, that guard range for – Yeah, in that like, uh, I guess the you could – the point guard range. He's – uh Not somebody I'm like enthralled on, and I like I just talked all that shit about Cole Anthony. Um, I view Nico Mannion like not even in that tier with Cole.
2: Well, like I said, I I would put him even below actually, not below, he's probably in the same grouping as Maxi, but there's that's that's somebody I'm not except like if my team is like, all right, this is going to be our starting guard next year, I might hit the panic button and start looking at Cade Cunningham tapes immediately. Because nothing about Mannion appeals me. Appeals to me, rather. I rather have if we're picking him that late. If he's going to stay in the G League and I guess lead the second unit eventually, maybe there's some appeal. But yeah, like you said, there's nothing there really. Jess, anything that you like from him, or last last impressions from Nico?
1: So his. Last game, it was the Washington versus Arizona Pac 12 tournament game. Um, Nico played 37 minutes, was 4 for 8 from the floor, on 2 for 5 from 3, 4 for 7 from the free throw line, a rebound, 2 assists, 4 steals, 1 turnover, scored 14 points. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I would just reiterate what you guys are saying. Like, nothing really. Jumps out at me about him. Um, May maybe with that, like you said, Mike. Maybe with that later first round pick, I could see that. Depending on who they took with their first, Uh, like I wouldn't really understand like getting Lamelo and then also drafting Nico, which I saw on one draft board. Um, Like that just doesn't really make sense to me, but unless you're strictly going like next best available, I guess. Um, but, yeah, nothing nothing really jumped out at me this year from him. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's been the whole sense with the Pac-12. Just to go off, not off topic, it's going to be another prospect that's projected to go on the lottery from USC, Onyeka Okangwe. I know I just completely butchered the guy's name. He was somebody I did not consider, but if the Knicks do fall, and that's I'm just tying this into where Mania would become a viable option with that second first-round pick, if the Knicks fall to, like, 10, which is a 0.7% chance of happening, but with the Knicks, anything is possible. This guy looks like Bam when I watched the tape, and his numbers actually were pretty solid, 16 points, 8.6 rebounds. Didn't shoot threes, though, that's the problem. But when I watched him, I felt like I was watching a little mini Bam out of bio from when he was playing Kentucky. So in that scope, I could justify seeing someone like Mannion with that second first round pick. But even then, Mm -hmm. like I said, I'd rather roll the dice with Cassius Winston, somebody I know can come in and hold the fort down for now and maybe address point guard next year's draft where you have Cade and I'm sure other point guards will come up. But Mannion could be somebody that stays in college too. That's not completely out of their own possibility, especially if he believes... He should be near the top.
1: Yeah, that's true too.
0: If I'm him, I get out of dodge beef because if he has another bad season, yikes! Do you know what I mean? Like if he plays not well, if he came back and he put up these numbers or only improved slightly, he becomes a not drafted player. Yeah, enough. that's
2: the, that's the catch twenty two. But it's yeah because he's really in a shitty spot where if a team doesn't need a point guard after like I'm looking at tankathons mock draft right now just. Right now, after the 11th or 13th pick, no teams are really taking a point guard until the Knicks. Not even, not till the second round. So he could slip pretty far, and that's a lot of money lost.
0: Where do people have Josh Green going as teammate? Because I Josh like Josh Green. Green is a little projected bit. to go in the middle of the first, 17th overall right now. Obviously, this is a oh, okay. But I love, yeah, you're right. No, but I love him around yeah. then. There, like he is. Uh, Tell me if this would tickle your fancy. A six foot six-ish uh two-guard. He doesn't shoot a ton of threes. So like I his 36 is a little misleading. He shoots just under three per game. But he's pretty efficient. 45% from the from from two, 43% from the floor. 42.5% from the floor. Shoots from the free throw line at a pretty good rate. 78% makes. Uh, decent defender. He's very like very, very athletic. Um, at 17. Like We were talking about uh, Goose Edwards earlier before, like a blank project. Josh Green's a little bit less of a blank project, and you could get him at 17. Sign me up. I'm not saying Josh Green greater than Anthony Edwards. I'm just saying at 17 I see more value in Josh Green than Anthony Edwards at I like
2: one. that. I think that's somebody I'm going to start paying attention to, because I'm looking at his stuff right now. And I did see him during the season when I did watch Mannion. I only watched a handful of Mannion games. But yeah, Josh Green was good, and if he's seventeen, why not roll the dice with him instead of Manny? I I just like I said, I think Manion's ceiling is limited in terms of being a star player. I don't think it's I don't think he's anywhere close to being a star player at the next level. I hope I'm wrong. I wish I mean you never want to wish a player to do poorly, but that's just somebody I just don't envision the Knicks having any interest in, hopefully.
0: Um moving on. Jess, you watch a lot of, you watch a lot of Pac twelve basketball. Did you like Josh Green as much as I did?
1: no I mean I completely agree with you like he's definitely got like I don't even know how to explain it it was just like watching him play you're kind of like yeah that's a next level player like he maybe he doesn't do one thing like amazing like you're saying like Halliburton you know his three-point shooting is going to translate but he seemed like a very like hard-nosed like tough-on-the-ball type of defender also, which is, you know, obviously very good for a 6'6 wing. Um, his sh- – I think the only thing to me was, like, his shot form was a little wonky to me, and I I don't know. Like, I was a little concerned on that. But other than that, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's just one of those solid – You like nothing could go like terribly wrong by picking him. I guess
2: that's that's fair. Um, staying in the Pac twelve. Breaking news: Rand Paul. Rand Paul's really Uh,
0: breaking.
2: Well, well wishes to you, Rand, and everyone else who has it, because this is scary.
0: (laughs) His dad said it was a hoax four days prior. That's scary. That's just uh, that's. I'm ruining it, this podcast, so I realize this, but I can't help it. So no, many world hey, things are happening. it's, it's, part, no, it's fine. I, uh, I, I mean, that's, that's
2: been an issue for me, too. I, like Even when I read or do anything, my mind just starts to drift on. It's just an overwhelming force that's just living in our lives, I guess.
0: You guys should put on hazmat suits and drive over to my house, and we could just run in the backyard <laughs> at six feet apart. Play pickup basketball for six oh, feet apart. Oh,
2: my God. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's what the Hawks were doing. You know what's funny? Cuomo was saying uh, today because he was talking about people playing basketball. You can't put six feet off somebody and win. It's like, (laughs) yeah, you're right. I mean, I've watched Derrick Rose play for the Knicks. I can agree with that.
0: (laughs) That's what everybody was saying, that that he's just so scarred by the Knicks, that that's where his mind went when he was talking about. Also, I I do want to see Cuomo.
2: Cuomo says he plays basketball. This is an official challenge to the governor of New York. I will play you one-on-one.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Um
2: yeah, so just a couple more prospects before we get out of here. Let's stay in the pack twelve. I know we talked about them last week, so we could keep it brief, I guess. Jaden McDaniels, Isaiah Stewart. Uh I do like Isaiah Stewart. I think Isaiah Stewart's better, but pro prospect wise, McDaniels has that blank con another blank canvas prospect type of person where the tools are there and if developed properly. There's a case to say he's a much better pro prospect than Isaiah Stewart just because Isaiah Stewart is an old school quote unquote forward. Um yeah, Jess, what would you who would you if you're the Knicks, let's say both of them are available, let's say you trade into the Don't
1: do this, Mike. Don't do this to me. All right. Don't uh, do this to me. I have to though.
2: Who are you taking?
1: Okay. man you're killing me wait is this tr- so i didn't watch this game because or maybe i think i was like half heartedly watching it on my phone did Jaden mcdonald's not start that pac-12 tournament game you
2: catch the beginning i saw parts of it
0: i did not watch. i'm looking
1: it. i'm looking at the box score and he played 31 minutes but didn't start interesting uh, Alright, well first Let me just run through this game And then I'll try to answer your question um, So Jaden, like I said Didn't start but played 31 minutes 3 for 9 from the field, 1 for 4 from 3 3 for 4 from the free throw line 5 rebounds, 3 assists He did foul out also Had 10 points Now, Mr. Isaiah Stewart And I remember texting Our college basketball group I gotta find it Uh yeah, at one point he was six or six with a three for eighteen points of Washington's total twenty six points in the first half. That was at the under four timeout. Um he ended up going nine for eleven, still one for one from three. Ten for eleven from the free throw line, uh scored twenty nine points and had twelve rebounds. Um it's actually funny, I had my dad knew I was coming on the podcast and I so we had a quick conversation and he's like tell tell the tell the Knicks to draft Isaiah now for those who need to know he's one of the biggest Isaiah Stewart fans that's where I get it from so this is completely biased opinion but his point was why not take a guy that you can literally say to him I want you to lead the league in rebounding and he will literally go and do it if you tell him that's what you want from him, he will go and do it. And he was bringing up the Hawks, so it was kind of funny you were bringing up earlier, Joe. But like, why? You know, obviously the last what is it three, three, four years, the Hawks have strictly drafted based on offense, pretty much. Why not get a guy that people are worried about his offensive limitations because he is such a old school big guy, but will literally take care of the boards for you. I think that's a pretty good, uh, like, fight for why Isaiah will do well in the NBA. Um, so your question, Mike, was if – what was it? If they I dropped – I'm looking at Isaiah's stats available? before Is I re-ask the
2: question? question. He shoots well from the line. I mm-hmm. guess you can talk more to this more than anybody since you've known Isaiah before Washington. Like, you've known him the longest out of anyone here. Can he develop a somewhat jump shot because I don't I'm not in that party. Yeah, I
1: told you. I told you last time he where can we man, should completely I'm telling disregard
2: you. certain prospects because oh he's a traditional big man. Yes, if you're picking up near the top where you can address other needs, that's different. If he's falling yeah. all the way down to the Knicks right now, I projected to pick 28th because that's where the Clippers finished. And he's there. Are you kidding? Like you can't pass on that me neither. I I, I think I don't he'll think go like, jo- the fifth, think think like the that fifteen. I think like the fifteen to like eighteen range. I think he'll go. I
1: think um. Ooh, that'd be good. going to the Bucks. Which, that's pretty far though. Which would be great. Uh, that's so he had Jaden going eighteenth to the okay. Mavs and Isaiah yes. going nineteenth to the know. Bucks. Which seems. I mean that that. Makes sense to me. I think it's gonna be hard for teams to get like past what you were saying. The scenario of like he's just like an all-time big guy, but his—I mean—there was something crazy in. I'm looking in vicini's piece here. It's with him talking about Isaiah. They were about eleven points per one hundred possessions better than their opponents. Without him on the floor, they were 12 points per 100 possessions worse. It's
2: not talked about. I think
1: That's insane. I mean, Joe
2: mentioned it earlier where floor safety is a necessity in this draft. There's just a lot of blank canvas guys. and Jaden's the prime mm-hmm. example of that where why are you passing on somebody that you know can contribute mm-hmm. from day one, especially if you're somebody with the Knicks, like the Knicks, where... You don't know where half the production's going. If Julius Randall's still there, great. If not, I would love to have Isaiah Stewart replace Taj Gibson's minutes on the bench. That's somebody I would really enjoy having on the team, and I'm sure you can uh, lend more knowledge on this. Isaiah looks like somebody who puts in a lot of work, so that's personality. Personality comes into play here too, especially if oh, you're yeah. trying to build a build a culture.
1: for sure. I mean, if you're looking for a culture guy, he is your guy. Like and like I said, like his shot, if you watch it, he he has great form, especially for how big he is. Um and I think I brought this up last pod, like you literally will not see someone run harder up and down the court. Like I I beg of you to find me someone who runs harder than he does. He's just a workhorse, and like you said, in a draft where there's so many unknowns, why not take a quote-unquote safer pick where you you at least know you're gonna get someone who rebounds their ass off for you. And I feel like,
2: yeah, I agree. I and if he does that. fall, I do think I would love for him to fall to twenty-three to the Heat. If he cannot go to the Knicks, I think the Heat will find a way to use him. uh Joe, real quick, anything that sticks out to you on either prospect or who you would prefer if you were picking for the Knicks or just in general? Uh,
0: for the Knicks, I'd pro- I'd take McDaniels just because like the Stewart thing feels redundant to me. Um, Mitchell Robinson, him, whoever else down there that they're going to keep around uh, feels redundant. You know, uh, I agree with Jess though. Like, him in that, you know, the mid mid to late first round as a guy you feel like, you know, will rebound and work his ass off. Totally get it. Just it, I don't think on the Knicks it works. Um, I like Jaden McDaniel slightly more as a prospect, um, even though he's less of a known than Isaiah Stewart, um, but mostly because his variables are higher. Um, this is where I'm going to do the thing where I contradict myself. The whole podcast I was talking about doing knowns um and here with Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels I'm going to talk about the variable unknowns. McDaniels slightly projects slightly to be better in different areas than Stewart. I know just talked about his shot looking good. Um obviously he only took like 0.6 per game in college. Um so like McDaniels projects or the idea of McDaniels projects to be slightly better in slightly more areas. Um But, yeah, like, I wouldn't be mad, like, if Stewart went over him, depending on which team would draft it. But McDaniels was also a guy, and Jess could probably speak to this, and because Washington underwhelmed this season as well, where he did vanish sometimes, which is not. Yeah, it was the main
2: reason I hated Cam Cam Reddish, that is. He just, I don't, I'm not a fan, and Kevin Knox, too, where they disappear in plain sight, and that's just a very big turnoff for me. But having said that, like you said, there's an exception. Yeah, so I do like a prospect. Let's talk about your turn-ons, Mike.
0: <laughs> no, no, no! Just your general turn-ons. This has been such oh a negative God.
1: podcast. Uh, <laughs> tell us
0: what you look. Tell us what you look for. In we'll a save moment. that for after hours. Um, this
1: is getting weird.
2: I haven't left TPW my house
1: after in hours, eleven baby. years.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, so we just have two more guys to get through. Uh, Isaac Okoro. I feel like this could. This one could be brief because. A, I don't think he's really that much of a prospect for the Knicks, given where he's projected to go. And B, they don't need another bad shooter. I know some people really like Okoro because he's a defensive beast. <laughs> but 67% from the line, 29% from three. He does shoot 51% from the floor, but a lot of those attempts are dunks and point-blank looks. I don't particularly like him that much. I understand he is talented, I wish him luck on another team, but he's just not what the Knicks need. Uh Jess, anything that sticks out from a or yeah, just I'll just throw it around to you guys and see if I'm missing something.
1: No, I agree with you. I don't I don't see him being um a Knicks pick. Um just pulling up the last game. So they didn't play in the SEC tournament before it got canceled. So their last game was regular season game versus Tennessee, um, which they won pretty handedly. He played eighteen minutes, three for five from the field on one of two from three, four for four from the line, one rebound, one assist, eleven points. Um, So yeah, I mean he's just another guy like. Like you said, a lot of it was dunks and point blank, point blank baskets. Um nothing really jumped out at me where I was like, Yes, this is what the Knicks need, so he's just there.
0: <laughs> Big same. <laughs> like seriously, like I, <laughs> I, I don't I don't have a lot to say on him either. Like I'm just like, eh. Like I don't wanna I've been doing it all podcast talking shit about all these guys. I think I said like nice things about Halliburton and, and Josh Green and that's about it. Um yeah, there's not a single thing for him that doesn't. The problem,
2: it and it's kind of been – he is a microcosm of the full class where he might have flashes and he might be a talented player, but you put him in any other draft, I feel like he's a mid-first-round mid guy at best, and right now he's projected to go top 10. And, yeah, it's just – that's just how this draft – yeah, that's how this draft <laughs> is, and we got to take it it's as so it depressing. is, but like I said, I feel like he – He'd do better on a team that needs his skills more than the Knicks do. Because the Knicks need shooting. They need a lead guard, and he hasn't addressed either.
0: 2020 really is the worst. Worst draft class (sighs) ever. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Overall for
2: the class, I still think... Well, I mean, we have... The next couple weeks are going to be a lot of international talk. I do like the... I think the international guys are being slept on. And... Yeah, see, RJ Hampton, no, somebody Hampton I completely forgot about, but that's another player really. that I would consider over a lot of these college guys, where he played against adults. I feel like that's better practice than dominating against kids. Nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I the I feel like college has just been really bland. Like, I guess this will do. We're gonna end with Obi. But before that, Sadiq Bay. I remember last week, or last episode rather. You weren't that high on him. I've been watching him since. I do see a good floor spacer. Is there something about Sadiq that you just don't like, Joe? Or is that's fun? Go well, ahead.
0: I mean, so like again, I'm gonna do that thing where I semi contradict myself, especially, especially when I did the Halliburton thing where I said this one translatable thing. Um. And, you know, Bay actually shoots better from three than Halliburton. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like when I watch Phil Nova play and I know he makes like 45% of his threes and he shoots a pretty high volume, which is like an absurd thing to do for like a guy that's 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, I, I don't know where he fits in the NBA. Like if he's playing the three, I don't think he's going to be able to guard anyone because I don't think he's athletic enough. And then if he's the four, he weighs like I don't know, like two hundred and ten pounds. So he's going to get beat up a ton. So like, yeah, it's great that he can shoot threes. I just think he he he's going to have to play super limited minutes because he's just going to get roasted when he's playing defense.
2: lease is the main the main point of intrigue for me. It's very smooth. It looked like Buddy Heal to me. When I went in the comments section... Don't put you compare
0: him to Shyvano. No, 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 no,
2: no, he's not. I'm just saying, like, the way the the release, like, it's very quick, very smooth, like, ideal catch-and-shoot guy. That's the first person it reminded me of. But obviously, Buddy Love is on his own level. Never gonna disrespect Buddy Love. But it is a smooth release. I saw a lot of Robert Covington comparisons. I don't really see that in him. But I will be pleasantly surprised if he ends up being more. He's still the main guy I like. If the Knicks pick, it's actually twenty seventh. They're projected, not twenty eighth. So that's somebody I do like. Uh, Jess, anything from Sadiq that we should that any last impressions that he le- possibly left, or is he kind of just um, is what he is?
1: Let me. I pulled up that game, which again was a um, regular season game. Um, do people consider that... him
0: a good defender? I'm asking. I don't think so. I was never. I think it's okay. straightforward. I was space. never really.
2: All right. I'm going to eventually, once we start, like my goal for draft season is to start literally just doing 30 minute episode deep dives. And I know Harley from last people that listened last year, Harley Geffner from the Knicks wall. He's big on him. So I want to see where, why he likes him. Somewhere. Where does
0: Harley live? And where did he go to? school? Harley
2: lives in LA. I do not know where. He I think he went to UPenn actually. Um, but.
0: Oh, okay. So he's so he's Philly related. Yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah. So that hope that I that's gonna be a good discussion. But for now, for me, he's a shooter. Uh, but yeah, that's where I am with him.
1: Uh, in terms of his last game, it was that one point win over Georgetown. He led Villanova in scoring with eighteen points. Uh, five for nine from the field, on three of five from three, five of five of seven from the line uh 3 rebounds and assist and a turnover.
2: Not bad. I mean, like I said, he's not he's not great, he's not bad. He's what you want. I, yeah, exactly. It's just there. Um all right, so <laughs> just to come full circle, last prospect, Obi Toppin from Dayton. If the season since the season's over, he was probably the player of the year. I guess. Nobody else really stuck out. Most of the appeal with Obi is <laughs> his in-game dunks. Uh, he did shoot well. His numbers do look well. 20 games, uh, twenty points per game, 70% from the line, 39% from three. Only, he did only shoot 2.6 attempts per game, 63% from the field. But like I said, a lot of those were dunks, highlight reel dunks. Uh, he was a zero-star prospect going to Dayton. Now he's leaving. He's probably going to – oh, he should leave. Probably a lottery guy, what do you guys think uh, I'll start off with Jess Jess. what do you think about Obi last impressions and anything else
1: So in terms of last impressions, I mean his last game was uh the game we talked about last pod where he literally put the ball through his legs and then dunked it in game um took down my homies at George Washington pretty handedly, which you know wasn't wasn't a great look for me, but it's all right. Uh, but I just i I've been thinking a lot about it, especially after our last pod, um, where I think Joe was a little bit lower on him as an NBA guy than I was slash am, where it's it is a little bit more difficult to see because like. It just, it doesn't help that he played in the A-10. Like, his numbers are great, and I think he could have done that in a bigger league, but he didn't. So you you can't just live off the fact, like, yeah, he could have done this in the ACC or SEC or something. Like, you really don't know, but he's still, I mean, that Kansas game, they replayed that a couple days ago. I was rewatching that um from Maui. I mean, he, he still performed when he was in those big time games. And there's just something he's just got like that electric spark to him where I just I think wherever he goes he's gonna find a way to, to use that. And also we touched on this last pod just and you just mentioned how he was, you know, a zero star guy. I think having that kind of experience is kind of is invaluable to guys getting drafted where they they've had to kind of work for what what they've gotten and it's not gonna be any different going into the league, especially after this weird college season. Like they don't have the tournament to show in that kind of environment how they perform. Um and I think guys are gonna have a lot more to prove a lot more quickly once the draft does happen and we finally get NBA basketball back. Like it they're just I think there's just gonna be this feeling of having so much more to prove if you're in this draft class.
0: Anything on Obi? Uh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh well uh so I'm kind of still roughly in the same boat I was with them. But I do want to put like the caveat out there that like I wasn't super high on Brandon Clark for the same reasons I'm not super high on Obi. Uh and I was wrong. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's not like me being not super high on him makes him not valuable as a prospect. I like him in certain fits. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's like like if the Warriors got him, I'd love him there. Do you know what I mean? Um, but, like, if he's on the Knicks, I don't love him there. Uh, I will say what something Jess messaged last time we podcast together was his ability to shoot threes mm-hmm. off the dribble. And I was like, I don't remember seeing that. So like I started watching more, uh, I don't want to say film. I, I <laughs> um, and I, uh, cause when you say film, it makes it sound like I'm like in Big a Big difference.
1: Yeah. You're, you're in your you're
0: going watch with film with, uh... with glasses on. Yeah. Glasses right, with like on a notepad. And, yeah. With a notepad, <laughs> with, with that yellow legal paper drawn sketches of everything. I wasn't doing that. I went to YouTube and I typed in Obi. Um, he could do that. And I was like, wow, I don't remember this. And, uh. It comes off really fluid. So I'm way, like, I, I don't want to say way, but I'm I'm more positive on him. And then I listened like, um, the Game Theory podcast, like, again, like I said earlier, with uh, Chris Stone and Sam Vicini the other night. Uh, he made the big TV. and
1: the Big TV. Oh,
0: he, that's my goal. Well, maybe this podcast will make it. I'm on it. <laughs> um, and they, they were talking about Obi, and Sam was talking about it in a way where, like, all the stuff you said about Isaiah Stewart earlier – and all the stuff I think about Brandon Clark and like all these other guys like where I feel like Zion Williamson ruined it, right? Like because he's like that other guy that's like a weird shape and size, and he but he's just like a generational, generational athlete in strength. I need to like just come to the terms with it's okay for a guy just to be like super athletic and not generationally athletic when they're undersized. And that's what Obi is, right? He's super duper athletic. He's strong. I know he's old for his 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 age grouping and all that stuff. But the right fit, the right coaching, like the Warriors, I get why that like for me that's mentally where it goes because it's quicker pace. They're not gonna ask him to sh- like create his own offense. Uh he's going to like develop into I think an above above positive defender. Um, all these things. And Jess really did. She really changed my mind because I went and I went to the lab. And I looked at the OB, the OB three point shot. And it wasn't just him spotting up shooting threes. It was him coming off the dribble. Or one time, uh, I can't remember the clip where I tell everybody to look at it. He was coming off a screen and in a catch and shoot where he was kind of falling away. And it was such a smooth and clean release. It was jarring. He's like, it would have been jarring if any player in the world did it and OB did it. Not that I was like, he could do it all the time, but the fact that I saw it. Um, with my own eyes, made me be like, "Oh, okay, Obi Obi's better than I thought."
1: I've made an Obi believer out of him. My they work did. here is done.
0: I think my fear of being wrong on Brandon Clark also <laughs> plays a, a huge factor. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fair. It. Yeah, that's well, I still like. Um, it.
2: the more I've seen of Onyeka from USC, I kind of feel like.
0: Don't really? you care? He stinks. Oh. I kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I just didn't like how everybody started putting him as the number one no, no, prospect. No, no, no. They I think power
2: forward-wise, he still might be the best power forward. I still, I'm still, i still in the early stages of YouTube rabbit holes with him. But like I said I said earlier, he reminds me of Bam. But for Obi, I've, I have more trust in him developing a reliable jumper, like you said. And he has a great name. And I'm a big believer in strong basketball names. And he has one. He's from Brooklyn, so
1: mm-hmm.
2: I always got a rep for New York. Um, but yeah, I still believe he's not a Nick player just because of where he's going to go other positional needs. But I think it's somebody like if they do trade Randall, uh, maybe he becomes somebody that they could be interested in depending on if they move up in the draft, but I don't see that happening right now. Um, I feel like that's a good place to stop, uh.
0: All the guys we like, we what don't want that? on the Knicks. Is that bad? All the guys yeah. we seem to now, like, we don't want on the Knicks. My... <laughs> like, oh, I yeah. like this guy. Don't put the him on the Knicks. The only I really want on the Knicks, I feel like we'll still thrive.
2: Lamello, Killian, and uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Denny. Denny uh, I don't, Nick's going to be our Denny expert, but I've watched a little bit of Denny, and I like that. Um, Yeah.
1: And with yes. that, stay so tuned. So moving for our forward international we're gonna do a little more pod. international.
2: We are still gonna include college guys because we still have to talk about the second round, which we haven't really gotten into. And there's still stuff to talk about with the college guys. We just wanted to do, you know, a wrap up on the college season, which was unfortunately cut short. Um, before we get out of here, Joe, you have anything to plug? Any upcoming columns, pieces? I know you had something on Patino that you mentioned on clutch points, anything coming up?
0: Yeah, so this past week I did the thing on Patino. I also did uh, Kansas should be declared the national champions. I wasn't serious. If you read it, it was kind of jokey. Um, I have a couple other things, uh, projects in the work. Uh, I'm going to play that close to vest. Also, if I had $40 billion in my album, I'd take that material. <laughs>
2: Joe's a man of the people. Make sure you follow him at Joseph Nardone. And he's a great writer, one of my favorites, especially for college. It's really, really informative, and like I said – the first podcast it's somebody i rely on to give me like a landscape look of the college field uh jess anything to plug
1: uh well i guess not since (laughs) they took my season away no uh (laughs) i don't know man i it's 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 tough times out here but uh, you know, I've actually had a couple ideas of of things we could hash out. Maybe uh, we can discuss off pod. Uh, just uh, you know, keep things light, keep things fun. I had, uh, but other than that, follow us on Nick's wall. Yes. I think we're gonna start streaming some more on uh on Twitch. Uh, so come yes. watch me give Check everyone a bucket. Check that out. Maybe as early as today. You who know. knows?
2: Um, you know, we're recording this on a Sunday, by who the way. Knows? Go ahead, Joe.
0: Oh, <laughs> no, I said, Uno. know, Uno. I'm so I'm delirious. <laughs> the, yeah, the
2: corn,
1: Joe, go outside. Yeah, out feel the this sunshine. The it's going to be OK, Joe.
2: But uh, yeah, all seriousness, check out the dot com. We do have something in the works. I cannot say what it is. I just can tell you Ryan Gray is involved. So, you know, it's going to be great. Be on the lookout for that Man, myth, uh, upcoming this week. I believe Eli Cohen, who will be joining us for draft season, he has a whole series planned this week I don't want to give it away But it's going to be airing from Tuesday to Friday Check that out I have a piece coming out On some trade options for the Knicks And like I said Follow the Knicks wall podcast Anthony Corbo is leaving So make sure you listen to the episodes Get those episodes with him on them While you can And yeah Just follow the brand Follow the friends of the brand Follow him. Just follow good content I know it's a tough time But we're going to be doing our best To keep everyone entertained Because we don't know how long this shit's going to last So uh, until next time Thanks guys for joining me I'll talk to you next week